Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we waited again until Friday, and it's a good thing we did because we're just receiving word that Oregon and Washington will be officially extended invites to the Big Ten, which you got to think will send further dominoes heading toward the Big 12. It's been another monumental Friday so far. Yeah, it absolutely has. This is... uh... This is pretty wild. I mean, this news is just kind of breaking. Even as I hopped on here, you're like, do you see the news? And I thought you were talking about the Arizona news because this is within the last 20 minutes. Uh, I'm just now seeing it. The rich get richer with Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten. Um, boy, we always kind of knew. I mean, for years we've been talking about this idea that one day we're going to go from a power five to a, a more powerful four. And the Pac-12, boy, you are the odd man out. I mean, that, that conference doesn't survive really in any form, does it? Um, I mean, they could merge with the Mountain West, but, Oof. and I got to say, like, without Oregon and Washington, like, initially, if they had stayed and the Big 12 had grabbed the Arizona schools and Utah, I still think if those two had stayed, that if they merge with the Mountain West, like, that's still a decent enough football conference and a 12-team playoff to get a bid but I mean without Oregon and Washington I mean that's 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 a group of five conference uh the Mountain West and so yeah I think that's got to be the end of the Pac-12 as we know it and I think it is a power four I I don't see how they remain a power five uh conference but uh yeah monumental day I just it's confusing to me Colby why the the Big Ten didn't add these two schools when they added USC and UCLA. Maybe they just didn't want to at the time. And with the Big 12 seemingly already going to add Arizona, that they just felt the time was right to strike. I, I The timing of it's curious to me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, maybe the Big Ten didn't want to just overly be the bad guys and take all four of the Pac-12's best schools all at once and just totally um, destroy them. I, I really don't know what the timing is. For all this, but yeah, now with Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten, it was confirmed last night that the Big 12 has accepted Arizona's application to join the conference. So really, the two that are kind of left out there, Utah, I mean, Utah just makes way, way, way too much sense in the Big 12. And I mean, Arizona State, despite not bringing a ton, you're probably not going to have a 15-team conference. You'd probably rather have a 16-team conference. And with Arizona coming, Arizona State would make sense as well. I, I really... Carson, you have to kind of feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State and Stanford. It's their conference failed them the way we were worried that the Big 12 was going to fail Oklahoma State. And as much as, you know, this is really sticking it to the the power brokers out West who wanted to stick their noses up in the air at the Big 12, I don't know that that was Oregon State and Washington State, and they're now getting left in the cold because they've been failed by their conference. This is just... I mean, this is one of the greatest failures in the history of, I think, major collegiate sports from the modern Pac-12. Maybe I'm just callous, but I don't feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State. <laughs> Do you know why? Why? See, when you and I were 
you know, having these doomsday conversations about what was going to happen to Oklahoma State, you know, that mattered not just because obviously we do an Oklahoma State podcast, but Oklahoma State has been a top 10 program over the last 10 years in terms of winning. They've earned the right on the field and putting butts in seats and having people watch their games to be in a Power 5 conference. That's who I would feel bad for. Uh, I don't feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State. They have been the dregs of the worst Power 5 conference. And sure, I'm I'm sure their fans are sad today, but they haven't been good for 20 years For in Washington State's case. I know they made a Rose Bowl, but again, that was mostly due to the Pac-10 stinking, like they always have. I think they had like four losses that year. Uh, Oregon State hasn't been good really in my lifetime. Maybe the Chad Johnson team that beat a very overrated Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, sorry, Chad Ochocinco now. But those... Well- Schools like that belong. Schools like that belong in the Mountain West. They, they just yeah. do. And yeah. I, I'm sure you could say the same about Arizona, but Arizona is just a far bigger entity than both of those schools. No, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, those schools are kind of bottom feeders, and whatever you put it like that, that they kind of deserve to be group of five. They kind of do deserve to be group of five. That's where they're at athletically. That's where they kind of fit into everything. Um, well, where does Arizona State, what are your feelings about Arizona State? Because I love the idea of Utah coming over to the Big 12. I love the idea of a Utah-BYU rivalry in the Big 12 and of getting to make those road trips out to Utah for Oklahoma State. How, how do you feel about Arizona State? Are they kind of just an add-on because because we got Arizona? I think they're an absolute buffoonery of a school. I mean, their, their president is the one that's been holding this whole thing up because he doesn't want to, quote-unquote, look like the bad guy. Uh, newsflash, Michael Crow, the president of Arizona State. UCLA and USC already killed the Pac-12. And Oregon and Washington knew that. That's why they're gone. Um, but I, I think adding Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, in addition to Colorado, would be absolutely perfect. And I put this out yesterday. Those are mountain time zone schools. Now, I know Arizona, they've got this weird daylight savings where – I believe until the first Sunday of November, they're essentially Pacific time. So they're two hours behind. But once you get into November, they're mountain time. They're only one hour difference. And I'm talking travel for all sports, too, on top of football and kickoff times. That, to me, is so much more palatable for the Big 12 schools that are in the central time zone than flying up to Oregon, those West Coast kickoff times in California. That, to me, makes perfect regional sense. Uh, leaves the headaches of some of those travel problems. And I just think it makes a lot of sense just in terms of geography and product on the field. I mean, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, Utah especially, has become a premier program. Uh, I think it's perfect, not only regionally, but just making this conference whole. I think it's absolutely perfect. That was kind of my ideal scenario. Yeah, I think so, too. And this uh, we actually did have a stray UConn fan tweeting at us last week when we were talking about UConn, who's in the area and listens um, with all due respect, UConn fan. This is the way that, that we wanted it to go here in the Big 12 conference, um, Arizona, Arizona State, the in-state rivalry. I, I do wonder, Carson, if you take 
uh, schools like Arizona and Arizona State, which I think are caught between like the West Coast, doesn't care at all about college football. You go to Stanford and there's 27 people in the stands and the Big 12, where this part of the country cares deeply about college football. I think Arizona's kind of been stuck in the middle. And I almost wonder if being in a conference like the Big 12, you'll get that kind of magnetic effect where Arizona and Arizona State as fan bases will start to care more about football because they will be in more of a football conference. The Pac-12, you know, it was fine. And when you when all the schools were there and it was at its best, the Pac-12 was a good football conference. But lately, it has really been on a dip, and, and especially in terms of people caring about it in the modern age where we've all got a million different shows that we can stream at any time we want. Eyeballs are more split now than they've ever been. And I feel like Arizona and Arizona State coming to the Big 12 can maybe elevate those football programs a little bit just from simply being in a conference that cares deeply about football all year long. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how this looks going forward for the big 12 conference. And I I did see uh, an interesting little map earlier on pistols firing about some potential divisions in the future, a little South North coming back. What do you think about a, a, a South North split in the big 12 Carson? A south-north split. See, I think east and west makes more sense now that you got schools on the east coast and then the mountain time zone. What was the divide? Uh, The divide here on pistols firing, and this is without Arizona State and Utah, had the south as uh, basically the top line of the state of Oklahoma where Oklahoma State and Kansas meet. Everything south is a division. So that would be Arizona, Baylor, UCF, Houston, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas Tech. And then everything above that line would be the North, which would be BYU, Cincinnati, Colorado, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, and West Virginia. From a time zone perspective, it makes more sense to go East-West. But from a how do I how do I want to word this? From a stylistic perspective or a a part of the country perspective, North-South, I I kind of think it makes some sense there. Yeah, I just my only concern would be it ends up kind of like the North and South of the old Big Twelve, where one's drastically better than the other that's the one thing about divisions i don't like because that's seemingly cyclical i mean you look at the sec they're dealing with the same problem i mean it's basically before georgia became a power it was a foregone conclusion whoever won the west was winning that conference so that that would be my one concern and we'll, we'll see how that all plays out but one one the guy that's been on top of this the most is jason Shear. i believe he works for the 247 uh, arizona site uh, someone dropped into the uh, the chamber on pistols firing. Uh, you should sign up. A lot of great stuff going on there. But someone posted one of his uh, posts on their board, and this is he's been all over this. And this is good perspective as to what went down. He says Arizona and Arizona State were aware Oregon and Washington were leaving, and had conversations over the past twelve hours or so. Crow, meaning that buffoon president at Arizona State, Michael Crow did not want to be seen as the one that broke the conference up. And Oregon and Washington basically said they did not care. The leaks this morning were made to look like the schools did everything they could to keep the conference together, but there was no way that grant of rights was ever getting signed. So basically, all the talk this morning that you may or may not have missed was the Pac-12 is going to band together, they're going to try and sign the grant of rights. That was all nonsense just to not be the bad guy. Which, again, if you're a president of one of these schools... This is my biggest point I've had this week, Colby. If you're the president of Arizona and Arizona State, the the fate of your university, not your athletic department, 
the fate of your entire university hinges on these dollars, on this TV revenue. That's why Texas and Oklahoma did it more than anything. This, The football programs, we're in a position now where they fund not only the entire athletic department, they fund everything. They, they are your lifeblood. It was fiscally irresponsible for Arizona State's president to get up there and, and drag his feet. And essentially, I think he got he got word that he was going to get pushed out if he didn't let Arizona State leave. And so <laughs> the stupidity of schools like Arizona State and Utah who have not just jumped at the first chance they can get, I mean, it's it's amazing. And now that Oregon and Washington are leaving, if I'm Brett Yormark, Colby, I'm calling up Michael Crow and be like, okay, we're giving Arizona State 100% of that $31 million. You're going to get about 60. That'll escalate to 70, 80, 90. Then we'll get you to 100, five, six years down the road because you you tried to blow up this deal and I'm not happy with you. So Utah, Arizona, come on down. Or maybe Utah's in the same boat. Maybe they were dragging their feet too. But th- it's amazing, Colby, that these schools don't have the foresight that not just their football program depends on this. Their entire university does. Yeah, and, and you make an interesting point talking about your mark negotiating with potentially Arizona State and Utah coming over. The Big 12 has the leverage now, all of it. And you don't necessarily need to give away any more dollars than absolutely necessary. Your schools that stuck around, your schools that stayed loyal and allowed the Big 12 to continue to survive, maybe that's a little bit of a, a bonus. Um, for them sticking around. Yeah, we're going to add these other schools and solidify the conference. But yes, Arizona State is going to have to start at 60% revenue and increase by 10% a year until they get up to 100. Because now we've gone from the Big 12 really needing, I don't want to say begging, but really needing some of these schools to come over because it was getting to a poacher be poached time in collegiate athletics. And that's not the case anymore. Pac-12 is pretty much dead conference walking uh, as far as power five goes. So now the big 12 has all the leverage and they can use that negotiations with Arizona state and Utah. I just, Carson, I I really feel grateful sitting here on what is today, August 4th, that the big 12 is in this position because I, I just so distinctly remember those conversations from two years ago and we could be as, as bad as this sounds, Oklahoma state is, is far superior to these schools but we could be the guys who are hosting a podcast in Corvallis today. We could be the guys who are hosting a podcast in Pullman today, talking about Oregon state and Washington state having no home and how that's going to impact not only the athletic department, but like you said, the entire university. And instead Oklahoma state is now in a position where they're going to be one of the marquee longest tenured schools in the big 12 conference. Uh, And if you had Utah and Arizona State, then you probably end up in a situation where the Texas schools and Oklahoma State uh, maybe wind up in a division if they decide to do 8-8. Eight eight. I'm, I'm not really sure how all the scheduling is going to break out, but I'm just, as an Oklahoma State fan, very grateful sitting here two years after the OU and Texas news, knowing that my school is solidly entrenched in one of the, the four, um, I guess we're getting to a, a super conference point moving forward. No, I mean, it's, it's quite the role reversal. And again, I... I want to give a lot of ups to Brett Yormark. Um, I still, Colby, like, look, I, I understand the schools, they added add value the central time zone, still a value for TV networks. I'm still pretty surprised and impressed. He was able to get $31 million per school for a league that was viewed as significantly weakened for a league that was left for dead. Uh, the fact he was able to do this is, is pretty is pretty amazing. And I, I think he he deserves a lot of credit. 
You know who else deserves a lot of credit? Who's that? Mike Gundy. Uh, he had some amazing, and I mean amazing quotes at uh, his availability. He said, quote, I mean, I'm almost like Nostradamus. I've been telling you guys for 18 months what's going to happen. I think I've hit it every time. Two things I said. Oklahoma State would be in great shape no matter what, which has happened, and I eventually the Big 12 will rise and be just fine, which has happened. And I said that conference realignment is not finished yet, and it's not finished now. It's still going to go on. That was before the latest news we just discussed. He said, you know what I should do? I should write it down and stick it on a wall because I've been right every step of the, step of the way. Uh, what's the, the last quote I wanted to read was even better. He said something along the lines of, uh, oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was basically like, we're not done yet and you're going to be shocked at who ends up, or you're going to be blown away with who ends up coming. So I think he was privy to some of the conversations Brett Yormark was having. But but I tell you, Colby, you know, Mike Gundy said it back in 2010. This the Big 12 country, this part of the country cares about football and deserves to have a Power 5 conference, even when it looked like everyone was going to go to the Pac-12. He said Oklahoma State was going to be just fine. Uh, he's He's been right every step of the way. I think him and Yormark have been prescient and look even better as it stands on August 4th, 2023. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think that Mike Gundy is, uh, I think he's kind of getting on board with modern college football from some of the, the, the quotes, the way he's talking now to me feels very different than the way he was talking a year, two years ago, talking about, you know, conference realignment. And he, he says Oklahoma State will be fine. And he was right about all that stuff. But, you know, talking about the transfer portal the last couple of years, you know, he had the, the quote where he talked about he thinks it's going to slow down and stuff. And that obviously proved to be incorrect. But what he's saying this offseason and what he said the other day leading into camp, it very much feels like he's kind of gotten on board that, okay, this is modern college football. This is how we have to do things. He even talked about, uh, you know, at fall camp and, and the different positional battles. He has instructed his staff to make sure everybody works with different units and gets a chance to show what they can do on the field before they throw in a depth chart and just assign guys starting roles. And that's something that you kind of have to do. You have to play a little bit of Tetris in the portal era to make sure that guys are happy and they feel like they've been given a chance to compete and they feel like, their play is what's going to get them out there, not what level of recruit they were or anything like that. I just think that Mike Gundy, from his his Nostradamus-esque comments about the conferences and realignment and, and having faith that the Big 12 and Oklahoma State would be fine, to everything he said about the portal over the past years and his change of tune coming into this year, I just think that Mike Gundy, I think it took him a couple of years, but I think he is now very much on board with where college football is at right now and understanding that this is different than it's ever been. So we need to act accordingly. And it gives me some optimism for where this program might head over the next few years under Mike Gundy. Optimism that I don't know I would have had um, even six months ago. I'm, I'm very, very impressed with what Mike – I didn't like what he was saying last year. I very much like what he's saying this offseason. No, it's great. And this – the lack of foresight from these Pac-12 schools when the Big 12 looked left for dead is just amazing. George Kliakoff, he's the new uh, Dan. Was it Dan Beebe? Uh the guy who let the original Big 12 fall apart. I think it was I'm Dan Beebe. Keep wanting to say Don Beebe. But I think that was the receiver for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yes, Dan Beebe. Dan Beebe. Yep. <laughs> I, I missed that Twitter account. The fake Dan Beebe was was a classic. Two thousand. Uh, 
2007 to 2011, he was Big 12 commissioner. Yeah. Not, well, not a great stint. This has to be a quick one because I know you got to you got to run soon. But I also want to bring up Florida State. Have you seen what they're up to? They they want out of the ACC. They've been they had a board of regents meeting that basically said we're not staying in the ACC no matter what. They they're now seeking private investment from J.P. Morgan. I got to think the Saudis might just end up buying Florida State the way they've done with golf, Colby. But uh, it would have been nice to add Florida State. But I think now that you have UCF, I don't I don't foresee that being an option. No, I don't really either, and I, I get why Florida State's mad. Uh, I saw something the other day. Purdue, over the next, like, 15 years, 10 years, is set to make about $30 million more annually than Florida State. It, it's just amazing. The, the ACC, a few years back, when they were negotiating their TV contract, they prioritized stability and just knowing that they were going to have a contract – over raw dollars and John Skipper, who at the time was the president of ESPN absolutely fleeced them in these negotiations. I mean, he didn't make them say yes. He presented the offer. They said yes. And now the ACC is in a real problem because they are light years behind in terms of TV contracts and they are locked up for so long in Florida state. I, I don't know that Florida state is going to be able to get out of the ACC legally and break that contract without paying the fees because that contract exists. Is it a bad contract today for Florida State? Yes. Should someone in that conference have had the foresight to think that more and more money was going to be thrown into college football? Yes. So I, the ACC schools are going to have a little bit of a problem because they're locked into a bad TV contract for a long time. Yeah, and I thought I heard Barry Trammell on the Sports Animal this week, and he he nailed it. It was my thoughts exactly. He said, who do you think has better lawyers? Uh, the University of Texas with Joe Jamail Field, you know, one of the highest priced attorneys around, uh, all the money Texas has in their attorneys could not get out of their grant of rights. Uh, do you think you think Texas has better attorneys in Florida State? I, I'm willing I'm willing to bet a lot of money they do. Now, maybe their document has some sort of flaw in it that the Big 12s did not, but those grant of rights are pretty ironclad. So I don't I don't know what Florida State's going to pay out pay to get out, just like. OU in Texas did, which in the long run, they should if they're making $30 million less than Purdue. Yeah, no doubt about it. They, It's wild whenever you look at the way conferences have aligned and some of these schools that exist in the Big Ten and the SEC that are just stealing so much money, while schools that actually have good athletic programs and do what they can to elevate their athletic programs. I mean, Rutgers and Purdue and, and those kind of schools – just making so, so, so much more money than Florida State and Miami and Clemson. It's uh, it's pretty wild. No, but Big 12's in great position. And so I, as of today, I think they're going to add Arizona, Arizona State. Did you see Arizona, Arizona State had the same board of regents? No. Like it's, it's not like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State where they're separated. It's all one, <laughs> which is interesting, which, which tells you that if Arizona's coming, like, so is Arizona State. They're not... They're they're attached at the hip like OU and OSU were back in 2010 uh, when they were thinking about going to the Pac-12. So I think it's gonna be Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, which to me is just chef's kiss. I, and Colorado, in addition to that, that's just that's perfect. It's yeah. uh, the right balance of of regional fit with Power Five schools, which is which is amazing and awesome for the Big 12. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got time for bullets and BBs. You want to go first? You want me to? Go ahead. All right, bullet, really more than a bullet. Standing ovation, round of applause. 
Kyle Boone um, sent out a tweet earlier this week and wrote a story for PistolsFiringBlog.com announcing his resignation after a long, long stint with PFB. Uh, Kyle is as good as they come. Kyle has been through a lot with his health, with his family, um, dealing with a cancer diagnosis during covid uh, reading through his, his story, I, I was brought to tears um, by some of the things in there. And it's just, it's just, it's worth your time. Go to pistolsfiringblog.com and read it. Um, Kyle's as good as they come and wish him nothing but the best. I would reiterate that. Uh, again, Kyle's, he played as big a role as Kyle Porter, who created this site. And I think Pistols Firing has provided a great service to pro issue fans. Uh, it, it gave them an outlet that they can identify with, that they can always go to to get the right amount of coverage as opposed to other entities. And it just gave people an outlet, both on social media and the, the website itself, and now with the the Chamber Forum and everything. And Kyle Boone was as omnipresent as Kyle Porter. And I think that's a great legacy to leave. And I know he's uh, going to focus on his health and his family, which is super exciting. And I think OSU fans... Uh, are indebted for what pistol fi- pistols firing has brought, and I, I think that you know Kyle Boone had was integral in that. So I, I would that'll be my my bullet as well. I, I wish Kyle the best. He's he's an awesome dude, and uh, he's going to be missed. He he did a lot of work behind the scenes and and in front of the scenes. So uh, that's a great one. What do you got for BB? Uh, BB Carson, <laughs> Woo! college kids, they're not very, very smart. We've got quarterbacks. We've got kickers, we've got wrestlers, and they're all gambling on collegiate athletics. You get a BB if you thought that you were going to get away with this. I'm looking at you, Hunter Deckers, for uh, actually current Iowa State quarterback who bet on the uh, Oklahoma State game a couple of years ago whenever he was a uh, sophomore who was a backup. Betting on your own team, betting on your own university, there's some things that I think are, are pretty dumb with the, the gambling stuff happening right now. You know, you, you see an NFL guy like Jameson Williams gets six games because he bet on a college basketball game for universities he's never been associated with, but he did it inside the team building. That's a little goofy. They're figuring this out as they go. But betting on your own team, that cannot ever be tolerated. That compromises the integrity of the sport if this is happening. If he is found guilty of this, he will be ruled ineligible by the NCAA forever. Um, And I don't think that that's an overreach from the NCAA. You cannot have players betting on their own teams and compromising the integrity of the games. Carson, with one exception, and I think that this kid gets a bullet instead of a BB, the Iowa kicker bet on the under. I, I had that for my BB. Well done, sir. You bet on the under. If you're going to do it, if you're going to blow your college career up to bet on your own team in sports, you have to play for Iowa and you have to bet the under. That's when it makes sense. So a BB to all the college kids, except for the Iowa kicker, who's uh, just out here stealing money on the Iowa unders. Yeah, I uh, had BB for for the Iowa kicker. I, BB, because I, at this point, I feel like I was just straight up just trolling me. I mean, if I were to draw up a gambling story, I would draw up the Iowa kicker betting the under. And that's exactly what happened. And you know what's worse? It was a bad beat. He lost. There was a defensive touchdown in that game. Okay, maybe he bet it on multiple games then, because the one I'm looking at, uh, he bet the the under on a game that had a total of 45, and it went to 44 is the story I'm reading. So maybe he must have bet all of them then, and that's that was probably very, very profitable, which probably put him on the radar. (laughs) 
but like, let's getting Iowa unders every week. You know, I've had some takes that have aged poorly over the years, but my Iowa take is just aging like a, a vintage high dollar wine. It's amazing. I, I feel like they're trolling me at this point. It's just it's it's too easy. It's like fish in a barrel now. Yeah, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, all right, we appreciate everyone listening. Everyone, go watch Austin Eckroat this weekend if he makes the cut. Carson Eckroat is right on the bubble to make the FedEx Cup playoffs. You make them. You're in all the designated events next year. As of about ten minutes ago, he was projected to finish 72, top 70, make the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be real dicey for Eckroat if he makes the cut and gets into the weekend. Yep, I hope he does. That'll be awesome. Hope he does. Great stuff. Appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, we're back next week talking about who knows what in collegiate athletics as things continue to evolve. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, shout out for Kyle Boone. Everybody go read that and show him some love on Twitter. As always, go Pokes.